Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We have been looking at a church over the last few weeks, um, last weeks and months, at the letters that were written by the Apostle John to the church. And it's in John's letters that we'd like to start today. We started a little series together called Letters from an Apostolic Heart. And we've been looking at the the three letters that John wrote to the church. And these letters were written by John in around uh, AD 85, AD 90, something like that. And John was one of the 12 disciples who as a young man had been called by Jesus uh, about 50 years earlier. So by the time that John is writing these letters, he's quite an old man. And he writes to the people he's, he's writing to with a real fatherly care. So just imagine your granddad. He'd be a bit like that when he's writing these letters. And what's really notable when John writes his letters is that he refers to his readers as children. He says things like, my dear children, or all of God's children. And whilst we could perhaps write this off as being a bit, you know, a bit stylistic, and that was just John, just what he did, or maybe it's a bit of a sentimental old man, I don't think it's that at all. I think John wants to show us, his readers of these letters, something of God's heart by describing us repeatedly as being children of God. He wants to keep reminding us who we are. So let me read a couple of these passages that John wrote on the subject of us being children of God. In uh, in his first letter, he wrote this, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognise that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we'll be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we'll be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And years before, when John was writing down his account of the time he spent with Jesus, he wrote of Jesus in, uh, in his Gospel, chapter 1, but, all, but to all who believed him and accepted him, that's Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. They're reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes to, from God. You know, John was there when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And the disciples had watched Jesus pray and seen the time that he'd, he devoted to that. And they said to him, Jesus, can you teach us to pray like you pray? And Jesus confounded all their expectations because he said, when you pray, this is what you say. He said, our Father. And that was completely different to how the disciples of Jesus had been brought up. They hadn't known a fatherly relationship with God. They'd known God as being mighty and powerful and awesome, and that's all true. But they hadn't known that we could relate to him as Father. And Jesus confounded all of that. He said, when you come, you say, Father. And you know, that's God's intention and plan. That's his desire, that we know him as Father. Let me show you this scripture. 
This is in uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 3. This introduces Jesus in the Gospel. And there's a little bit written that gives Jesus credentials. It, it tells, tells us where Jesus came from. And it starts like this. Jesus was known as the son of Joseph. And Joseph was the son of Heli. And so on. It keeps going. And if that list scrolls up, can I get that list to do its thing? Thank you. Because that way, I don't have to read all the difficult names. <laughs> One of the things you'll know from the Bible is all their names are slightly more difficult to, uh, to, to, uh, to, to say than, than our names. But that, that said, they probably have thought the same as us, so there it is. But at the end of this genealogy, it tells us that Enosh was the son of Seth, and Seth was the son of Adam, and Adam was the son of God. You know, when we're asked to think about what we know about Adam... We might all say, yeah, well, we know about Adam. Adam was the first man. But would we ever say, Adam was the first son? God's word tells us so. That was God's intention when he created mankind. He created mankind to have relationship. The word tells us that God walked with Adam in the garden. He wanted to spend time with him. And you know, God today offers and desires relationship with men and women with boys and girls of any age all across the world. And there's a really good way of illustrating this. I'd like to tell you a story today. Who, who likes stories? Yeah? You like stories? Okay. Now, I have to warn you, this story is quite sad in places. Okay? But it has a really happy ending. Are we, we going to be okay with that? Do we like stories with happy endings? All right. Okay. Because this concerns a little boy. This little boy is five years old. Are there any five-year-old boys in the room today? Okay, so anyone who's nearly five, are they just a bit... bit of, yeah, how old are you, Bobby? Six. Six. Bobby, come here. Okay. So the little boy in the story was about Bobby size. Okay. He was a little boy who was born into a royal family. And his name was Mephibosheth. Has anyone got anyone in their school, in their class, called Mephibosheth? No, okay. If your name was Mephibosheth, you wouldn't thank your parents, would you? You would, uh, all that time, filling out your name everywhere you went. But his name was Mephibosheth. He was born into a royal family because his grandfather was the king of Israel. His grandfather was a man named Saul. And Mephibosheth's father was a man named Jonathan. And Jonathan, we read about in the Bible, as being, was the real special friend of King David, who was to be the next king of Israel. And David and Jonathan really loved each other. In fact, they loved each other, the Bible says they loved each other as much as they loved themselves. And they made a promise together that they'd always be there for each other, always look out for one another. And it was Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, that the story is about today. And this is the sad bit at the beginning of the story. You see, both King Saul, Mephibosheth's grandfather, and Jonathan, Mephibosheth's father, they both died on the same day. Sad. They died on the same day in battle. And the story gets worse, because as soon as the news got to back home about 
the death of King Saul and the death of Jonathan, everybody who was left behind, well, they got up and fled. Now, I've got something to tell you about little boys about Bobby's age. Can I, can I pick you up, Bobby? Uh-huh. Okay. 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 Bobby is officially a little lump. Are <laughs> you? Yeah? If I was to try and run, do the 100 metres with Bobby like this, I wouldn't get all the way to the end, I'm sure, and I wouldn't be going very fast when I did. But, you know, when news of this battle reached home, the lady who was caring for Mephibosheth, she ran with him. She picked it up and they ran for their lives. And as she was running, you know, she stumbled and she fell over. And I'm not going to do this. And she dropped Mephibosheth. And he landed really badly on the floor. You can sit down now, Bobby. Okay. He landed really badly on the floor. And he damaged his feet. And the Bible says that from that day onwards, he could never walk again. He was crippled in both his feet. What a tragic story. His grandfather and his father had died on the same day. They had to flee their home. And in doing so, he was so badly injured that he never walked again all his life. That's a sad story. And actually, we don't know much more about Mephibosheth until much later in his life. And by this time, he had grown up. And King David is now the king ruling over all of Israel. And I want to read what happens next. We find this in, in our Bibles, we find it in 2 Samuel chapter 9. We're going to put the words on the screen. It says this, One day King David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? the king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If, if so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodibar, Ziba told him, at the hoe of Machir, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Machir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father. Jonathan, I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him, to produce food for your master's household. But, Mephibosheth, your, your master's grandson will eat here at my table. Zeba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Zeba replied, Yes, my lord the king, I am your servant, and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, 
And from then on, then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. What a great story that is, isn't it? Quite remarkable. King David thought about his dear friend Jonathan all these years later. And he asked if he could show kindness. What that really means is covenant faithfulness. He wanted to fulfill his promise to Jonathan. He made a covenant with him. He wanted to be faithful to that. He wanted to show God's kindness, God's covenant faithfulness to anyone in King Saul's family for Jonathan's sake. David learned about Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, and asked where he was living. And Mephibosheth was not living these days anything like a royal life. He lived in a place called Lodibar. And that's where Lodibar is. So Jerusalem is where King David lived. Lodibar is a little red dot at the top. That's where Mephibosheth was living. And when we translate the, the place name Lodibar back into English language, it means no pasture. <laughs> Just have to make clear here, Sean the sheep is not found in the Bible. Okay? But this is the thing. If you were part of a community um, that, that largely farmed, which was, which was how things were in those days, lots of farmers, lots of people looking after um, cattle, looking after sheep, to be in a place called no pasture meant what? Yeah, it's not a great place for sheep to be. There's no pasture. There's nothing to eat. There's no feeding. And actually, if you're living in a place where you're reliant on feeding sheep and grazing them, but it's a place that's dead and there's no pasture, that's not a brilliant place to be, is it? Life is difficult when you're living in no pasture. So David invited Mephibosheth to stay at the palace he invited him to eat with him at the king's table. He was invited to exchange no pasture for the king's table and the great feast. The king was saying to Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, you come with me. I want to see you. I want to speak with you. I want to eat with you. I want to share with you all the good things that I have for you. What a kind and generous act. Did you notice how Mephibosheth initially responded to King David's generosity? Do you know what he said? It was quite startling. He said, who is your servant that you should show kindness to a dead dog like me? What a thing to say about yourself. Mephibosheth didn't have a very high opinion of himself, did he? He didn't really believe that he could be welcome at the king's table. And the story that we read in the Bible ends with Mephibosheth having everything that had been lost to his family restored to him. And we read that he ate at the king's table regularly from that day on, like one of the king's own sons. King David had adopted him into his family. Be one of the family. You know, we've got Christmas coming up, haven't we? And I'm sure there will be an occasion or two where families gather around a big feast. We're probably 
writing the cooking instructions even now and planning it out and who's going to be there and where they're going to sit and which house we're going to go to on which day. But families come together and around the family, it's a great time, isn't it, together, of, of being together, you know, of, of enjoying what usually is a lavish spread on Christmas Day. Yeah, and King David said to Mephibosheth, come in, you're, you're one of the family. You're at the king's table now. It's an amazing story, isn't it, for many reasons. But it really makes me think about how God, our Father, invites us to leave a place of no pasture and to sit at his table, the king's table, where he shows us covenant faithfulness, great love, great mercy towards us, enormous kindness to us, because of Jesus. And this is an invitation for all of us today. We can all come and eat at the king's table, just like one of the king's own sons. How amazing is that? Our Father welcomes us to the table if we choose to make Jesus the king of our lives. We've become a child of God. We're drawn into relationship with him. He wants us to be with him. He wants us to speak with him. He wants us to share in all the good things that he has for us. And sometimes when we hear this invitation, we feel unworthy, just like Mephibosheth did. We often don't have a very high opinion of ourselves. And sometimes that's because we know what we're really like on the inside. But you know, this is low bar thinking. It's no pasture thinking. Maybe we think, I'm not worthy. Maybe we think when God invites us, you can't mean me. Maybe we say, well, I'm, I'm not like all the others. I'm not good enough. Or... I keep messing things up. I can't accept undeserved kindness from anybody. I'm stuck in a sinful lifestyle. There's no chance for me. And we may not be physically crippled, as Mephibosheth was, but we feel spiritually crippled, kind of unable to move forward. But this is what God, our Father, says to us. I know what you're like. But you are accepted to me, by me. Because you've decided to make a change. Repenting, that's turning from the stuff that drags you down. And you've chosen to make Jesus the king of your life. And I'm going to help you, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit who's going to be with you every day and help you to live a life that honours Jesus in the things you do. So we all have a choice. Some of us have already made that choice. It's the king's table versus no pasture. It's knowing God as our father or remaining a spiritual orphan.
And the thing is, as we're speaking today, each of us will know whether or not we've responded to that invitation. You know, we will know whether we're sitting at the king's table, enjoying all the good things that he's given to us, or whether we are still in Lodi Bar, the place of no pasture, where life doesn't feel good, where our inner self feels hungry and, and empty and unsatisfied. This is so important for us. It's the most important thing that we can make a decision about in our lifetime. And you know, maybe today is the first time some of us in this room have even heard the invitation. Maybe you've never felt the welcome to the king's table and to be with him and to enjoy relationship as, a, as our father, to partake in all the good things that he has for us. If today is the first time we've listened and received that invitation, we can respond to that, even today. Perhaps in our lifetime we have glimpsed the king's table in the past. We've kind of known the invitation, but we've counted ourselves out because we feel unworthy. We might not say, why would you call me a dead dog like me, like Mephibosheth did in his colourful way, but we count ourselves out. We go, you can't mean me. I'm just not like that. We don't have to count ourselves out. Do you know, that can change today. We may have made it all the way to the king's table. But somehow, we have drifted back to Lodi Bar, to the place of no pasture. We might have made the decision in the past, yes, Jesus, you're my king, I'm going to follow you. But as the days and the months and perhaps the years have gone by, there's no evidence of that. And the next thing you know, you're back where you started, in Lodi Bar. There's no feeding, there's no pasture, there's no satisfaction, there's no relationship with Father God. Maybe we're not even sure why we've ended up back there, but it can change today. Maybe today we've accepted the invitation to sit at the king's table. And somehow it seems so good to be true, we just can't accept we belong there. And instead of confidently enjoying our relationship with our Heavenly Father, we're nervous, silent in his company, afraid to enjoy and use all the good gifts that he gives to us. And you know, that can change today. I think it would be good, as I finish now, for us to have an opportunity to respond to what God says about us, that we're his dearly loved children. He wants to call us into relationship with him. I want to remind us of these words found in Romans chapter 8. And it says this, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Anything we think in our minds that counts us out, <laughs> that doesn't condemn us. God doesn't condemn us for that. If we truly come to God with a heart that says, God, I want to know you as my Father, God responds with open arms. There's no condemnation for anyone who belongs to Christ Jesus.
right at the start, I read this verse, see how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children. That is what we are. Could we stand together? I'm going to pray on behalf of all of us. Why don't we just bow our heads and close our eyes. If as God's word has come to us this morning, we're thinking, yes, today is a day that things need to change. be really good just so that I know who you are if you could just raise your hand great thank you Stephen and I would love to have the opportunity to pray with you later to explain to you some more about God's great love and kindness We're not going to ask people to step out of their seats now, but we'd just love to spend time with you afterwards. Please come and find us. But now we say, Our Father, thank you, Our Father, that we are your children. Thank you that you have invited us to come and sit at your table, to be with you, to speak with you, to enjoy all the good things that you give for us. Father, I want to ask that in in this day, as your word has prompted us and convicted us, that you would give us great courage to take action, to draw near to you. And we believe, Father, that as we do that, you will meet us. Thank you, Lord, that when you When you save us, you draw us into a family. You call us us sons and daughters. You call us your children. Thank you, our Father, for such kindness and love shown towards us because of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.